right. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. We're coming to you live on a Thursday in March, and I've got a uh, good good friend, connection that I've known now for a number of years, Mr. Uh, Damian Howley with us. So Damian, I appreciate you jumping on and uh, doing this. Absolutely, Jeff. It's great to be here. Um, so Damian is the chief customer officer at Whiparound and uh, most recently an author of a book called Control Your Customer, a guidebook for customer success managers. Uh, I have a copy that is sitting on my nightstand uh, ready to me, ready for me to read. Uh, I'll be honest, it's a little bit hard for me to read right now. Uh, with an eight-month-old at home, my, my time for, for reading has gone down. But I will, uh, I'm looking forward to trying to dig in more and excited to talk about it today. But before we jump in, Damien, I like to ask people uh, a couple icebreakers. So if you're game, I'm going to I'm gonna jump into two All icebreakers right. for you. Yeah. All right. So um, the first one I like to ask is around uh, Jeopardy. So if Damien was a contestant on Jeopardy, and uh, let's just say the late, great Alex Trebek is running through the categories. You know, he's he's saying what each of the categories are. Um, all of a sudden, he gets to one, and you, you hear the name, and you go, I am going to crush that category. Like, that is me. I'm going to know everything from top to bottom. Like, what is that category for you? What's something that you feel like you know front to back that you're going you're gonna to crush? Um, man, that's a tough one. I previously was faced with a similar question and I answered geography and then we went into a ton of questions about geography and I failed <laughs> miserably. And so, and my little brother was like, you said you knew geography, you don't. but, um, so uh, you know, I'll claim something, right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and yeah, probably, probably fantasy football at this point, which is really an interesting thing. Cause I don't watch a lot of football, but I am like, Annoyingly over the top about trying to win my fantasy football league. My, I love my it. Players and such, which it, it yeah. never at any point in my life would that have ever ever been the answer. But now I'm a competitive old you know father, and <laughs> I got to try to win my fantasy football league. So yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate the honesty about geography too. I at one point was like, wow, I know the geography so well, and then uh, I was at like a team event, and we had like a blank map of the United States, and I got only like 36 of like the 50 states, and I was like, whoa. That is so bad. So uh, I'm with you, or I thought I knew more about geography, but fantasy football, I feel like it's a good answer. I haven't heard that one yet. Um, I would say most people gravitate toward, when I ask that question, most people gravitate towards uh, TV shows, movies, or music. So I appreciate that you went into fantasy football. That's a good uh, a good zig while everyone else is agging. Yeah, All right, I mean, second. Yeah, you go ahead. I'm not going to go any deeper on that answer. <laughs> Second question for you is uh, if you could live any – so um, right now uh, you're still living in North Carolina. That's right? Correct. Yeah. So if you could live in any – anywhere else in we'll say like the continental U.S., uh, you know, so no Hawaii, no Alaska, but like continental U.S., um, you know, where would you choose to reside? That one's a pretty easy one. I lived for – over a decade in San Diego and um, loved it and miss it. And um, it's just a fabulous city. So I would say I would head right back to San Diego. And that's not to say I don't love it here in North Carolina, but I'm just particularly fond of, of Southern California. Yeah. I had a, I've had, I don't know, maybe three trips for work out to San Diego. And 
I mean, every time it felt like it was, you know, sunny and beautiful. It never really felt like there was a maybe a bad day. It felt like there was, it's, and the weather felt always very similar in terms of like 60s or 70s, uh, maybe touching the 80s. But um, I enjoyed my time out there too. Super nice. Yeah, it's just chill. Good, good people. Like, it's a nice environment. Um, yeah, nothing bad about it, in all honesty. I love it. Well, um, I'm excited to have you on today. I mean, we've been, uh, we've started to know each other now, I think, uh, going on four or five years, um, close to it. And, um, you know, you, you've been a, a customer success leader at um, a number of different businesses that I think probably range from, you know, kind of a, a startup environment, you know, up to uh, more established or kind of late stage private equity. Um, and so I feel like you've, you've seen it a bunch. Um, you've had to operate in different environments. Um, and then, you know, your book that you wrote, um, was super interesting because I feel like it's, you know, distilling down a bunch of lessons that you've learned all along the way. And, um, uh, these are little nuggets that you used to tell us about how you were coaching your teams and now you just formalized it and put it into a book. So, um, just to start there, like what, you know, who'd you write the book for? What do you, you know, what were you, uh, hoping to get out of it? How'd you, how'd you start going down this process? Yeah. I mean, I think you've, you've probably, you know, touched upon a, a the main skeleton of the story is right. I've, I've been at a lot of different um, SaaS companies uh, ranging from like day one up to a hundred million dollars ARR um, working with municipal customers, enterprise customers, small customers, like so on and so forth. Right. And um, most of the times that I've joined, I have uh, been responsible for kind of maturing or standing up um, or rapidly growing the CS team. And I found that uh, a lot of the basic skills and like a lot of the engagement tactics and a lot of kind of the general philosophies were not uh, were not as mature as as you know what I think they should be. Um, and so essentially, I started kind of teaching this program about a decade ago, um, just teaching through different tactics. Hey, when you're faced with this particular situation, like try X and try Y and say it this way. Um, a lot of like individual one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, and these were just things that I had put to the, to the test in dealing with, with customers. Um, and some had worked and some had failed. Right. And we kept on trying. I navigated complex situations and navigated aggressive situations and uh, was you know, all different types of, uh, of interactions with customers. And so over the last decade, it eventually turned into about a 10 page, like super raw document. I mean, like each of these, you know, what eventually became chapters could have been boiled down to like seven bullet points. And, um, and that's what I would, I would go through and, and teach my team. And ultimately, you know, I'd have a third of the team that would excel with these tactics, a third that would adopt silly and like a third that would be, you know, kind of like they know better and they don't want to try it. And so I said, well, if I can, just get a team that all works on the same page and all understands the same uh, vernacular and the tactics and some of the plays and some of the, you know, kind of underlying foundations of how we think about CS, then I might expedite my growth of a CS team by like 12 months, 18 months, 24 months or something along those lines. So I set out to write the book about you know three years ago. Um, I quit writing the book probably like 12 times and then restarted. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Like it's, it's actually massively time consuming to write a book. Um, and then finally turned the corner 
recently because I'm gr- I'm growing another CS team, right? So um, it was it's really been instantly helpful uh, just in the way that I even communicate in in the moment with my team. And so yeah, that's kind of the origin of it, right? It's like it's well intentioned to try to teach some of the stuff that I was already teaching. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple things I heard in there too, just. Um, and, and these are things that I feel like you and I have just, um, like talked about casually that I think also like made it into the book, right. Is, is, um, trying to create some of these frameworks or kind of methods that, um, you know, you can kind of bring and that from it, like from a vernacular standpoint helps your team so much, right. They know what you're, they know what you're talking about when you say it. Um, I think that's a huge benefit that, you know, you, you probably get out of this experience as well. You start to, you also start to get some consistency across the team. Um, you can start to, uh, kind of measure aptitude against against different skills, uh, knowing that everyone has, you know, kind of the same level of expectation, given that you've already got this book, and there's probably some ways that you're, you know, helping to manage the team. Um, so, yeah, I think there's huge benefits um, to writing the book. Like you said, massive time commitment, but uh, definitely see some positives that could come out of it for you. Um, when you, you know, as you kind of uh, look at the book now and think about it, um, maybe a place to start that um, I feel like, especially now in the environment that we're in, you know, uh, people are trying to find ways to engage with the right customers at the right times. And I think that tends to lend itself to um, kind of a segmentation and making sure, okay, how do I think about the types of customers that I have? How do I start kind of um, distributing them in certain ways? How do I, how can I look at data against them in certain ways? I think, Traditionally, people might have said, oh, I, I segment my customers from who pays me a lot to who pays me a little and, you know, I chunk them out. But I think you have a different view of that. So maybe maybe talk through how you've envisioned uh, or even put into practice like some of the segmentation strategies before. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, look, I, we definitely segment by account, right? Like that is um, most certainly a tried and true way Like you can segment it by industry, by uh, ARR by maturity, by life cycle, by health, by whatever. But the methodologies that I'm teaching is contact segmentation, right? So yep. like you might have your VIP customers who are your you know, top 50 ARR customers, but then you have, you could have 40 contacts within one account. And so what I found over the years is that CSMs, especially new CSMs will naturally kind of latch onto one, maybe two people, Um, usually product users, and then they represent the entirety of that account's health and and needs and kind of requirements and opportunities by input from one person. So I I segment the contacts by strategic, tactical, and operational. And it's a a really primitive concept. Um, I'm sure you could get way more crazy with how you segment your contacts, but I'm looking for strategic, which is up top. These are the decision makers, economic buyers, tactical, maybe like VP level and operational, like hands on the software. And I'm looking for my teams to be multi-threaded across at minimum two of those three, the S, the T and the O. And so we measure that. And then we teach around how to engage each of those levels. Um, And some are harder than others. Uh, But again, the CSMs, I, I don't know how many, I've probably taught 150 CSMs and, you know, a high majority of them will naturally just go and latch onto an operational contact and, and kind of represent too much based on the input from that one person. And I find that's where there's a lot of vulnerabilities in managing the account. And I love your point that, um, 
And I think this has been maybe a concept or um, an idea that I feel like sometimes is harder for people to grasp. But I think we... I think of segmentation in the same way too, right? Like you, you actually should have multiple segmentations that you do. Um, you should be able to look at like your uh, portfolio or the entire book of business in certain ways. Um, it shouldn't just be always in like a, you know, hey, this is our tier one, tier two, tier three, and that's the only way we look at it, right? We should have all these different variables that we can segment by. And I love your distinction too of like, hey, even within accounts, now we have to look at how we segment the contacts. And um, your point about kind of reaching two of the three and kind of having this um, three-legged stool, right? We can't, a stool doesn't, a three-legged stool doesn't exist if you only have one leg. And so, um, you know, being able to, to make sure you're propped up at least on two. The uh, This also reminds me of Ziv Pellid, who is another uh, chief customer officer yep. um, and at AppsFlyer. And he had a very similar idea on relationship um, kind of mapping and making sure that he had contacts, that his teams had contacts at certain levels, and then also measuring that strength of the relationship um, as well. So I, I appreciate that also because I think sometimes you look at a CSM and you say, hey, go get high and wide, and they don't really know what that means. And then you also, there's not always a great set of activities um, that you, you know, you've, you've kind of instructed them to do. And I think even in your uh, I know you call it primitive, but I think it's such a good way to think about um, the type of contact it is because then you can start prescribing, hey, it's good to be doing these things at the strategic level. It's good to be doing these, these things at the tactical level. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there are so many different variables in, in the different levels, right? And like, um, it, it's you could, you could definitely take it and slice the context in many different ways, like I said earlier, but in the S, the T, and the O, right, like, what they care about, what they speak about, their time horizons, their value propositions, their objectives, their tolerance, like literally everything varies. And um, if you only have kind of one language, you're going to struggle to go and engage with the different levels. If you as a CSM have solely product and operational language, they're not going to welcome you up at the tactical and strategic level. You're going to get booted down and you're not going to have access to your economic buyers. And so my book is, you know, this, this concept of the STO is, is woven throughout the book and all my examples, I give, there's maybe 150 different quoted examples in the book. Um, don't quote me on the number, by the way, because I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) but there's a lot of examples and they're all tied into, well, this is how you would say the statement to a strategic contact, but this is how you would say it to a tactical. And this is how you would say it to an operational. It's the same thing, but you're tailoring it to who, who's on the phone and what kind of mindset they're in. Yeah. This reminds me, I, um, I've been talking, uh, recently in a very similar way to some other, um, CS leaders about, you know, when I look at a CSM, I look for somebody who has like three levels of knowledge. And I think of the first level as that product expertise. Um, They need to know that, you know, in and out. I don't need them to, you know, code it themselves, but I need them to be able to understand, you know, the ins and outs. The next level up is like the business expertise. So can they quickly talk to a customer and understand how that customer makes money? Can they understand how, you know, what that customer strategy is? Um, you know, how they're expecting to kind of make changes throughout the year or what might be a strategic priority. Right. And then the third level would be like that market expertise, which is like, okay, industry. where does my customer play? Yeah. Like where does my customer play in that market or industry? And, um, you know, what are their competitors type do, you know, how does it differentiate? And, um, I think for a long time people would hire a CSM 
mainly based on level number one of like this product expertise, like can they learn the product or do they do the, knew the kind of know the domain well enough? Um, and I think you're starting to get to a point where you realize that you need so much more than just level one. Um, you kind of need that level two, level three. Yeah. I mean, I hammer this, like, look, I've presented over the years and you know, people have said, uh, Damien hates product or, you know, like <laughs> it's all, I know like in this, it's all in a similar structure construct to what you're saying is, um, yes, you should know your product, right? Like that's going to happen. You're going to have conversations, but if the only thing you know is your product, like then your upward mobility into more senior contacts is, is nearly non-existent, right? Like the other thing I say yep. too, is like, honestly, if you started a company, like if, Jeff, if you started a company tomorrow and they said, okay, cool. You know, we're going to give you access to the product. So you need you to learn it. Like how long is it until you've learned it? I mean, like, probably like, a, I don't know, a couple, a couple weeks I would give myself, but I, I would try and do it as fast as possible. I mean, I think you could become a relative product expert in like, you know, it depends on the product, of course, but like 72 hours, like a week, maybe two <laughs> yeah. weeks, depending on, right? Like that cannot be the extent of your, your, your knowledge base. Like you can't, it's, I've, I've always said too, the product is the easiest thing to learn when you join a company, it's there, but yep. keeping the product as your sole, you know, go back to your three-legged stool, right? <laughs> like if you only have product that you're not going to be, be able to engage, um, in a more mature way. The other thing is if you only know the product, then you're going to get on the phone and guess what you're going to talk about the whole time, the product product. Yeah. And so then yeah. I I've had CSMs where, you know, they get off the phone and they're really happy with a call and I'm like, Hey, what does that company do? And they're like, I have no idea. You just, you just <laughs> talked about our product for 40 minutes, but you don't even, you don't know anything about that company or that person. They're like, um, so I just think it's, it's more complex than just like, go out and learn the product. Yeah. This, this actually reminds me too, you know, since uh, my role now at higher logic, I've you know moved over to the marketing team. And so um, I get to deal a lot in kind of our customer marketing, you know, thinking about, okay, what, what are we saying back to our customers? Um, and I spend a lot of my time thinking um, about that level two, level three, we talked about on like the kind of the, the business expertise and the market expertise, because, you know, what tends to happen in a company, especially as you get bigger and, you know, you start to grow your ARR, you start to grow your market share, right, is, is you actually have more content about your product. And so you start thinking, okay, I have to get all this content about my product out to my customers all the time. And you kind of slowly start to ignore that, like, your customer has a job to do themselves. And if I'm starting, if I'm actually creating content, yes, I want to create some of the the product stuff, right? I want to make sure it's there, that there's an, enough of a base layer, but I actually want to be creating content that I push them about their business and their role in that business and the market. Like that's also where the value is because nobody else is giving that to them and you can actually stand out. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it, and I, I don't think any differently than you on this. It's, it's, I look at it as the, the why, how, what, um, the Simon Sinek, right? The uh, yeah. yep. greatest Ted talks of all time. Um, <laughs> And I've over the years I've played that TED Talk for like multiple different audiences, and I am clearly way more passionate about that than like the average person. But um, it's one of my favorites. And the the you know anytime you're putting content out there, right? Like you can write about the what, and the what is that product feature? It does this, it does that. You click here, it's it's you know it exports whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. Then yep. you can elevate up and talk about like 
the how, but the most significant part in my, my mind is the why. Why is this important? What does this mean to your business? Right? Like you, all your customers at one point in time, they had something that they were trying to accomplish. So then they bought your software to accomplish it. And if you lose connection with what you know they're trying to accomplish, then you might lose that contract. And I just think it's, it's often overlooked and people can fall back very comfortably into a product only world um, where I think it's much more multidimensional than that. Yeah. Um, I love that point too. The multidimensional part when you, so as you have rolled out, you know, the book and, and a lot of these concepts um, you know, we, we've kind of focused on uh, we'll say segmenting your customers uh, or segmenting your contacts within, you know, your customers. Um, how have you thought about helping them, almost like prioritize the right time or like, um, you know, I know you've got this, this other idea around kind of this relationship matrix of, um, you know, kind of delivering value and not just solely relying on like building the relationship. And so how do you, A, you know, help them think about the, um, the types of contacts and saying, okay, we should be spending, you know, uh, 30% at the tactical or 50% at the strategic, like, you know, how do you help them do that? And then the second is how do you make sure that they don't start over relying on like, you know what, I made best friends with, you know, uh, that leader over there and I have their phone number and so I'm good. I don't, I don't have to, um, you know, kind of worry about the renewal or something. Yeah. The, the latter part of that question is really interesting. Cause I'm like kind of seeing it happen a bit, right? Like a relationship that was actually founded on strong value and delivering value and now potentially over indexing on relationship. But, um, you know, for those of you who haven't read the book, right? Like there's Jeff and I have kind of been talking about this for, I don't know, four or five years now. Um, but what I would say is to your point, Jeff, like I, we flag all of our contacts. We flag them all in, in Salesforce. They're all flagged yep. as an S, a T or an O, right? Like we report out on, on contact engagement at the strategic tactical and operational level. Um, our systems that we've got in place, so I can tell you, you know, at your largest ARR customer, where you were, where you are spending the most amount of time, if it's at the strategic, the tactical, or operational, or if one of those is completely uh, empty, right? Like what I, I see a lot of times is I'll see a handful of accounts that look well balanced, and then another handful where it's just somebody is spending, you know, a substantial amount of time just with one contact, and I'm like, well, I circle it literally print it out, circle it. I'm like, yeah, go fix, go fix that account. Right. Cause if that, yeah. and we, I had, I talked about this this morning at eight o'clock. I was like, look, if you are not multi-threaded in your contacts and one of them leaves, you're done. Right? <laughs> like you've got nothing. Yeah, yeah. You're scrambling. You're totally yep. scrambling. And if you're in a world that doesn't have, if you've got monthly subscriptions, I mean, that could be your 30 days left. Um, if yeah. you're in a world with, with annuals, like you got a bit more time, but, um, so, yeah, but I, I don't really monitor, you know, the, the balance of relationship versus uh, the value. Um, I would love to, we, we do phone call recordings and we listen to them. We do a lot of like, you know, reflection on how the engagements uh, go. And yep. we do that as a group. Um, and it's, that's massively helpful just to kind of balance everybody out and understand what good looks like. Yeah. One thing that you just mentioned there that I also think is, um, is like something not to gloss over is I think sometimes that people, uh, especially leaders out there that I've talked to think that 
there has to be some intricate tool or uh, there has to be like some sexy way that we're um, doing things. And I love what I love about how you just said about the S T the T and the O is like, Hey, there's a field in Salesforce. <laughs> we tag it. We have some simple reporting or dashboard set up that says, you know, at these accounts, here's where we're empty or here's where we're low or here's where we're high. And you know, that that's helps you drive the operational cadence of meeting with your teams regularly to talk about those things. And again, it doesn't have to be, I don't know that sometimes I think sometimes people think of, um, uh, big, sexy, or elegant solutions, and it's like this one is like just staring you at the face. Like, hey, it's really not that hard. You just go tag all these contacts. You update the field. You make sure you update when you had a call or when you have an engagement with them, and you know it becomes pretty like rinse and repeat. Yeah, I mean, it's not that much, right? Like, depending upon how many uh, accounts your CSM has in their book of business, right? Like on the the, the lowest side, I've had a team where my executive CSMs had 10 accounts on the highest side. I've had CSMs where they've had 150, right? Like, so at the 150 side, yeah, it's slow and time consuming to tag your contacts, but you tag them as you interact with them. So it's not like, you know, you take a week to sit there and go and, and tag everybody. Um, it just happens. Like it's not, it's not a massive amount of overhead. And honestly, once people conceptually understand what you're trying to accomplish, it's pretty natural. And then then we roll that because it's in Salesforce, right? We can use that throughout the rest of the organization too. So if we're doing, yeah. No, go ahead. I I was actually going to ask that. So keep going with that. I was just going to say, like if we're doing like customer comms or we're doing expansion messages or we're doing, um, you know, kind of product announcements too, like you can, you can tailor literally any type of outbound comms to your customer base um, and your prospect base too. And if you're tracking the STO there, at a level that speaks more to the way that those levels speak. Yeah, that is like a, cause actually, you know, you, you were just mentioning that, um, you know, CSMs, the books of business and stuff. And I know people are, who are probably listening to this right now are also thinking, well, you know, being asked to scale and being asked to do more, you know, and being asked to, um, kind of like think beyond some, maybe some one-to-one interaction all the time. And I still think that you're, contact tagging scales, right? Because you can actually, if we're using that in Salesforce, the rest of the organization can help us use that. Then my customer marketing team should be building marketing that goes to each of those levels, right? And now, great. Now we've got some, maybe we're throwing events or maybe we're doing some um, content and, you know, now that can reach the right level of person, right? I don't want to be sending a guided tour of the product to a strategic level person, right? I'd rather send that down to an operational person. It's exactly that, right? Even if when you do product releases, and, and I've done this in the past, we, we're releasing some functionality. We'll send that product release to our operational contacts, and it'll be very functional. It'll be very detailed about the specifics of the functionality. We'll send that same you know, release detail right, to a strategic contact. It'll be all about the business benefits and uh, about the objectives that we achieve and how they should get their team to leverage this latest functionality because it's really going to have an impact on whatever metric. And so you've got a multi-threaded product release note that's, that's speaking two different languages to do two different levels, but you're, you're playing game of chess, right? Like you're trying to move, you're trying to move the pieces in your, in your favor with, with, with one victory in your product. Yeah, that's um, that's such a good way. I'm going to use that analogy in the future. That's such a good way to think about it, though, of um, even just kind of slightly repositioning some of that content for the right audience. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge. The um, 
I know we've got maybe a couple minutes left, so I'm curious. Sure. You mentioned there's like 150 examples. <laughs> well, I'm going to hold you to that now. There's 150 somebody's examples. Gonna in the book. <laughs> no, no, somebody's going to come back. Um, but, you know, what's one of the stories for you that like stands out, like that you've put into the book that you feel like, I don't know, you can still like feel it. You can still, you're like, oh, I can, I was in the room during that. Or like, you know, I was, I can still remember like when that happened. Like what, what's like an example that you could like draw from that would uh, stand out for people? Yeah, I mean, it's the very first story in the book. It's probably one that shaped like a ridiculous amount of the way that I think about customer success. I was at a a really a a small startup out of San Diego. Uh, We had a ton of energy, like culture was great, like we were growing. Um, And we had landed one like absolute whale, probably 50x our average ASP. And, um, and as, you know, as I've written it out in the story, right, like we nailed it. We, I ran the professional services. I ran the implementation. We configured it, customized it, imported all their data, right? Like everything was flawless. Like they were happy. Um, and I put, I, as I say, I put all my eggs in one contact basket. Um, and so I was, I mean, I used to talk to this woman like daily, like we were, we were also friends, but like it was value oriented. Um, and then one day I called her and she said, Hey, I'm leaving in my last days, like in, you know, in a week. And I, you know, I just didn't see that coming. Right. I thought we'd killed it. We'd, we'd figured it all out. And so as the story goes on, we lost that account when we scrambled to go and try to find a replacement you know, senior, like strategic or tactical contact. And we, at one point we just flew there on site and just walked in the front door trying to reestablish our contract. And, um, maybe about a year later we ended up expiring and, and we lost it. And that was of massive criticality to that, to that startup. You know, it was, um, I'm not going to learn that lesson again. And, and that's probably one of the, like I said, one of the, like foundational moments that shaped me in the way that I think about account management and delivering value and engaging contacts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, very tough. I actually, um, can feel that though. I have a very similar story, uh, at one of the companies I worked at, we had a client that took up about, we'll say, I mean, it wasn't, it, I don't know if it was 40%, but it was close to 40 or 50% of our revenue. And, you know, that's a lot of eggs in one basket and you already know the end of that story, uh, walks out the door. So, um, yeah, that's another, another piece that I, f- I feel that lesson for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, but here's the thing, Jeff, every single day I talk to a CSM and every single day they're, they've got one of their accounts that they've only got one contact at. And they're like, they're pretty happy with that. Right. Like, and yeah. I, I don't know how to break, like I've broke it in people over the years, but sure enough, like I'll get one who's like, yeah, talk to. I talked to Joe and he loves us and you know, Joe leaves yeah. the next week. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Damien, this is awesome. I appreciate you sharing, um, about, you know, I think the STO concept and, uh, thinking about, you know, value versus relationship. I think there's a ton of stuff in the book. Um, I'm, you know, starting to get my hands on it. Um, and through it, I'm highlighting a bunch. I have a pen and highlighter next to my desk. So, uh, <laughs> it's definitely one of those types of books. Um, if people want to find more about you in the book, where can they, uh, where can they do that? I, on LinkedIn, it's Damien H, um, Damien Howley, H-O-W-L-E-Y. 
I'm not much for um, self-promotion, but I think you're leading me in this way, Jeff. So um, controlyourcustomer.com will get you to the Amazon link where you can buy it. And um, it's available in paperback, hardback, and um, Kindle. Look at that, even giving people options. Well, um, yeah, I'm super appreciative of this. I know you've uh, you know shared a lot of your content over the years, so uh, excited that you've uh, put it down into a book and um, excited that we got to do this today. So we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that and see you next time. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jeff. It's good to chat. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon.